So this is uh, Dominic and Sadan. We are here with Sarah. Uh, she is the brand director with uh, Others, a boutique here in Fargo, whose main focus, uh, I believe, is sustainable fashion. So um, Sarah, we'll just start with the first question. Uh, so kind of tell us like what brought you into joining the retail business and kind of just a little bit of background about you and the fashion industry itself. So uh, if you want to tell us how you got to your position at Others, uh, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I grew up uh, with an interest in fashion, just kind of sketching, um, sketching out, you know, what I wanted my ball gown to be if I, you know, was ever invited to a ball um, and for my sisters and stuff and thought that I really wanted a job in the fashion design industry. Um, during high school, kind of decided that wasn't for me. I learned how to sew and it got really frustrated with a lot of different sewing projects, so decided not my jam. <laughs> we know something about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I made a crushed polyester peasant top once, and that was, I think there were more tears in that top than there were stitches. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I got into retail uh, about 10 years ago. Um, I'm just really passionate about people and about connections, and... Uh, um, those are two of the most important aspects and elements of the retail industry, especially in 2020, um, where the ethically made and sustainable in, um, industry, retail industry, has seen such crazy growth uh, across the world. Um, so then in about 2015, I got my first job um, on the other side of retail and not just the salesperson on the floor, but doing marketing for a small franchise boutique in town. And uh, um, then in 2017, got a job at Others as the marketing manager and uh, have worked my way up through the brand um, to where I am now as branding director. So I manage all the day-to-day -day operations. I'm the retail buyer. I do the marketing, um, kind of a I wear a lot of hats at the shop, so <laughs> brand director is the term for that. So that's my that's my background in retail and fashion. Cool. Thanks uh, so much for sharing with us. Then uh, moving on to our next question, uh, as a consumer yourself, uh, do you try and make your store goals uh, related to the things you like or uh, towards another direction? That being said, like uh, on a business level. Uh, how important is ethical fashion to you and do you practice these uh, I'd say, uh, ideas outside of work? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so uh, let me just first say that when I got, when I started at Others, I really had very little knowledge about sustainable fashion and slow fashion. I was raised thrift shopping, so I understood like the resale industry and secondhand um, the secondhand aspect of fashion, but didn't really know much about ethical and slow fashion. And so um, through my time at Others, uh, that's definitely shaped my understanding of fashion and how I practice consumerism outside of the store. So when it comes to being the buyer at the store, when I'm looking at, at brands to bring into the store, um, yeah, everything that we bring in has to be ethically made. So that has to do with um, the production practices that are used on the uh, human side of things. So what types of certifications the different brands have in their production facilities, whether they're fair trade certified or they're following um, 
you know, industry standards at the highest level. Some of our brands have even built their own facilities um, so that they can regulate and, you know, oversee everything. And I have, I have a whole folder on my computer of pictures of the facility and interviews with the people who work there and they get paid time off and vacation and in, in China, which is really awesome. Um, so it's, and then on the other side, there's the sustainability aspect and that has to do more with the planet. So all the fabrics that we're looking to bring in, um, we aim to have as little virgin polyester as possible. So anytime we're bringing in something that does have a polyester content, it's recycled polyester. But if I can find a brand that's producing clothing that doesn't utilize polyester, that's going to play a lot higher, um, on the list of brands that I'm interested in. So... I think that um, while it's something that I like and it's something that I practice, that doesn't necessarily dictate every single thing in the business. Like we have pieces of clothing and pieces of jewelry in the store, obviously, that I wouldn't wear. Um, But that's just a personal style thing, not necessarily a um, brand ethics thing. So everything in the store aligns with my ethics and with all of us on the team, our ethics. But maybe not everything in the store aligns perfectly with like our personal styles, if that answers the question. So that being said, I mean, you know, most of these manufacturers are kind of based out of these Chinese countries, Asian countries. Um, Is there any of your brands that kind of just are around this U.S. area, you know, kind of local? Because, I mean, there is I feel like there is some manufacturing that is I mean, although it's very expensive. But with the U.S. being very into the sustainable idea, um, at least headed that way. I mean, is there any local as far as like U.S. uh, manufacturing that you guys look at or that kind of too expensive? Uh, I mean, on that spectrum side of things. Yeah. So as far as slow fashion as an industry goes, there are a lot of brands that are producing in the United States, the majority of them producing in Los Angeles. Um, That's just where you have the greatest number of you know, clothing production, fashion production facilities still in operation in the U.S. Um, we have a couple of brands that do partner with organization or with um, production facilities in Los Angeles. Um, one of them is a really well well known T-shirt brand. It's called Daisy LA, and all of their T-shirts are cut to order, printed to order, distressed by hand. Um, so it takes, you know, it takes like six to eight weeks to for fulfillment um, if I'm, you know, wanting to ship immediate. If I'm doing a pre-booking, you know, it's their fall line comes out in the spring. So I look at their fall line and get my orders in ahead of time uh, pre-booking, obviously, which helps a lot because then they're not producing a lot of extra. Um, so L.A. is where we find if we are having clothing produced in the United States, most of it will come from L.A., which is not always to say that it's not a sweatshop. There's actually a really good documentary on, net, uh, I believe it's Amazon, on Amazon Prime, that follows the story of, I think it's four women who are um, immigrants from South America who worked in a, uh, a sweatshop in Los Angeles. So just because an item of clothing is made in the USA does not automatically mean that it's made ethically. You really do have to do a lot of digging to make sure that that certification is in place. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of just got kind of figured, you know, especially with, you know, kind of just recent situations, you know, with the coronavirus, you know, manufacturing from these countries, these Chinese Asian countries is kind of starting to be, you know, limited. So I just didn't know as far as something business-wise, you know, you guys start to look more locally. Um, not to say it's not here, uh, but, you know, as far as the chances 
um of stuff getting spread around you know just yeah definitely as a side note it's funny that you mentioned that I just placed a jewelry order today and the jewelry brand usually it comes with little like carry bags for each mm-hmm. piece of jewelry yeah. um and she emailed me because the jewelry bags are made out of like a a silicon byproduct I think um anyway she emailed me right away after I placed the order and she said actually our bags are produced in Wuhan and we can't get them we're all out are you okay with not having those bags so yeah it's definitely something that is starting to impact us but we were such a small little boutique that it's not impacting us like maybe a big brand yeah I mean I guess I started to notice it personally I mean I've ordered like I said I had to get a new phone recently and Mm manufacturing has just been I know I read an article on just manufacturing being kind of a problem right now um, and stuff. So I, I knew eventually, I don't know how much yeah. it was going to affect fashion yet, or even like, you know, smaller industry or smaller businesses around, um, or even in Fargo for that matter. But I mean, I, I'm sure everybody gets something from somewhere. So, yeah. you know, uh, I mean, that being said though, I, um, we're going to head towards like the target market. So what kind of marketing strategies do you think works best for your target market or any target market in general? Um, you know, so the different strategies that you guys use, or you feel like that you learned over the years, um, that you feel works best with consumers? Yeah. So marketing is the, I would say perhaps the most crucial element of slow fashion, um, because it is how fast fashion has grown to be the norm. Um, I mean, you think about if you turn on your TV the first couple of days, you know, the couple of days before Thanksgiving, it's just Macy's ad after Macy's ad after JCPenney's ad after Kohl's ad. Like there's so much advertising of fast fashion. So marketing is a huge part of what we do. Um, but our marketing is a little bit different because we're not marketing to get people to just buy our stuff. Um, slow fashion companies typically spend more time um, educating consumers and uh, trying to show the difference, not in a direct comparison, but in providing information about slow fashion practices and products so that consumers can kind of see for themselves, oh, like, this is why this shirt is not $5, um, that kind of thing. So with that being said, we use a lot of social media. Um, Millennials, uh, there's a recent study done, I think, in 2019 that showed that 73% of millennials are willing to pay more for a sustainable product. So with that, you know, with that in mind, um, we use a lot of Instagram. We use uh, some Facebook because we do have a, a pretty good amount of our target audience that is you know, I would say an elder millennial or maybe a younger baby boomer. Um, and they're still using Facebook quite a bit. Um, and then we utilize Pinterest a little bit. Again, it's that elder millennial, younger baby boomer. Um, it's still reaching that target yeah, audience. Sure. Um, we use a little bit of email marketing um, simply because uh, email goes direct to a consumer. Um, and then they have, a, they have one of two options, either open it or don't open it but they'll see it where social media, if you aren't, if your algorithm, if you're not performing well enough, um, the algorithm is not going to put like, is going to choose to put your information or your, you know, your social media content a lot lower on the totem pole. So people don't even get the choice whether or not to consume it. So that's why um, email is still necessary. Um, But I think that, you know, it really just depends. And in Fargo, we do utilize a lot of, community outreach as well because Fargo is such a small community 
that once you start to get some brand recognition through talking on podcasts or presenting at different community events, um, people just start to hear about you a little bit more. So they're getting the exposure. Yeah. Yep. Especially in a small community like Fargo, exposure is critical. So when talking about exposure and a community like Fargo, like you said, social media is extremely important. But uh, I think, as you might know, too, just from your research and just as others being a brand, uh, how important has social media or just marketing in general been in Fargo, which is a which is a community that's not completely uh, known to fashion and it's still kind of getting that exposure? How do you kind of work that in, into others and then marketing others? So I think the main thing that we focus on at others, simply because, like you said, Fargo is not a fashion hub <laughs> like six months we out know. of the year we are wearing a parka like fashion is not our main concern survival is more important than fashion in Fargo um, but that being said um, yeah I think we have a lot of people in Fargo who are interested in doing something differently and so with our social media and with our marketing um, strategies, we focus more so on the give back because others, our shop is a social enterprise boutique. So in addition to um, curating a collection of ethically and sustainably made clothing and goods, we donate 100% of our profit locally and globally. So a lot of times that messaging of the give back resonates more strongly with customers initially. And then we kind of transition them slowly into that ethical and sustainable mindset and like you know showing the difference in the fashion but if you just start off right away with like this top's made out of hemp people don't care but if you start off with um we donate 100% of our profits so like any purchase that you might make today you can know that 100% of the profit from that purchase will go to an organization locally or globally that's combating poverty then they'll actually pay attention yeah. to your clothes a little yeah. bit more. Which is kind of, you know, I guess getting their attention, kind of like kind of that Ethos logos, Ethos logos, Pegasus um, type thing. You know, yep. you, you grab their attention, you make them feel the yeah. heartfelt message, you make them feel connected to that yep. cause and that what's behind um, the product. And then, you know, because, um, I mean, I know in class we learn about, um, especially with, unless you're a big business, you know, that's just really like like an Apple or Nike, you know, they you don't, you have to, you know, you have to make sure you can grab the, customer's attention before you put a product out before somebody just follows it blindly um you know, you know that, that kind of ties into what we talked about in class which is which is great yeah you got to hook them before you can <laughs> yeah. reel them in yeah so along along the lines of just ethical fashion then and just our consumer base uh what do you think of the idea that even though consumers demand uh, more ethical responsibility from companies it can be like debatable if consumers would sacrifice their own personal needs uh, to support uh, ethically uh, produced clothing? Yeah, I think the biggest, most glaring example of this is obviously when people look at the price tag. Um, yeah. So consumers have been conditioned to expect cheap, trendy clothing. That, you know, this spring, summer, you're not going to see cold shoulder tops on the rack because cold shoulders are very 2018. So you're going to see all of those tops in thrift stores or in the in the trash. Um, we as consumers are conditioned to expect that fashion and clothing should be cheap because we have to buy a lot of it. 
So when we in the slow fashion industry are trying to combat that by saying, buy less, wear it more, and make it last, um, obviously the clothing that's going to be produced in that, with that mindset um, is going to be at a higher price point. So it's not necessarily that consumers are sacrificing their personal needs. It's that we in the slow fashion industry have to work really hard to recondition consumers to pursue quality and, uh, um, you know, personal style over quantity and fashion. Um, And I think that there are a lot of innovations being made. We've seen the revival of hemp as a fabric, um, partly thanks to the slow fashion movement. Um, And I think that people are just like, the more that the slow fashion industry puts out in educating consumers, the greater the opportunity we have to recondition consumers. So it's not necessarily about sacrifice. It's about reshaping Correct. your expectations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, behind that too, I guess, uh, tying into our, my next question at least, um, or, uh, but I mean, do you think a lot of that has to do with the impatience of companies or consumers? I know I was reading an article uh, recently um, and it had to talk about the impatience that people and companies um, have, you know, one thing we t- uh, the red article said um, was we tend to think about these ethical ideas and these and these ethical fashion ideas and want to get behind these movements, but it becomes a time where we become impatient with um, the way things are made or we want to have these new things um, or different seasons come, you know, let's say mm-hmm. summer's coming up. Oh, I need to get that, those new summer clothes, you know? Yeah. So you do you think impatience um, as far as even, the U.S. consumer base goes, you think that has a problem to do with the companies and even, you know, consumers as well, um, as far as being like that fast fashion fad, or I mean the ethical fashion fad, or people think about it and then they just kind of, eh, I'll go back to my normal ways yeah. and then I'll come back, you know, next season. Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of dedication, that is for sure. I think the the biggest thing is that Sustainable fashion is not just sustainable fashion. Like when I started at Others, um, you know, I right off the bat was, oh, fair trade, cool. What does that mean? You know, and then that kind of shifted into, um, you know, being a seamstress or at least an aspiring seamstress at one point in my life, um, fabric quality and recognizing that hemp's and uh, organic cottons and bamboo fabrics they just feel so much better like I can't like now when I touch a polyester based fabric I like ugh, it just doesn't <laughs> feel good anymore yeah. um, and so it's not just about fashion it's about your entire mindset and so once I started researching slow fashion and ethically made fashion and sustainable fashion it's completely reshaped my entire life and uh, like how I consume everything. And so I think that if people as consumers choose to only try to do ethical fashion, they will become fed up with it. And they they won't have enough patience for it because you can't just do one thing and then ignore all the rest. It has to become a lifestyle, which is a kind of scary thing to say, but I will say that like it's only it's been three years for me now and uh, so much of my life has changed definitely for the better and at first the ramp up to it I say I would say was a little bit more costly just because I am choosing to buy better things but now 
three, four years in, I still have all of the clothes that I bought three, four years ago, and they're still in good condition, and I don't need to buy anything. Like you, like you said, summer's coming up. I'm good. Yeah. I have yeah. all the summer clothes that I've had for a very long time. I might need another pair of shorts, but that's it. Yeah. So I think that, yes, impatience is definitely a factor if you if you don't open yourself up to the possibility of lifestyle change, if you open yourself up to the potential to change your lifestyle and your mindset and your worldview, then I think that it actually adopting sustainable and ethical practices um, is actually one of the things that will create the most patience in you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, like I said, just, I know, I mean, it's just as the U S you know, we time back into the fast fashion, we expect things to be, cheap and, and yeah. ready at ready to wear type thing you know so um i just knew i reading that article kind of really hit just because i know i mean as a consumer myself i mean i feel like most consumers um it just becomes an impatience thing like we want the new things now uh, we want to look good we want new things to wear um, that's new styles and it just becomes a you know oh i'll just wear i'll buy this unethical fashion thing who cares where it came from once and then what at once becomes uh, i kind of forgot about it <laughs> you know so yeah I, absolutely and when you have you know when you have places like amazon offering you know free two-day shipping the like instant gratification just becomes that much easier i will say one of the interesting things is that the um secondhand and resale industry is set to overtake the first touch retail industry i think by the end of 2021 um and that's actually like if you have clothes that you already have uh, people are starting to put that on social media and be like you know proud outfit repeater that's a thing that's happening right now so i think that even though people are impatient people are choosing to take it and put a different spin on it and make it a trending thing to like wear less articles of clothing all the time so so like like you said and you spoke about the second hand in the re- resale industry with that being said too uh like we've noticed uh, as like a fashion industry and consumer basis that the resale uh, industry is kind of taking over the market uh you know people are buying products at the retail price and then reselling them uh kind of creating a own market of their own and uh, you know creating another identity and kind of a different market segment is that in any way uh, like uh, affecting sustainable fashion in any way or is it kind of a competition that you guys or others as a fashion company uh, moving forward with sustainability, does that affect you in your marketing strat- strategies and how you're targeting consumers? Actually, in the sustainable marketplace, we welcome resale probably more than anybody else because like I said, uh, Items of clothing are perhaps a little bit more expensive to begin with. When you choose to resell an item that maybe isn't your style anymore or wasn't the right size or you just don't wear orange as much as you thought you might wear orange. When that item is a slow fashion item um, and then you resell it, especially on Poshmark. I do almost all of my reselling and all of my rebuying on Poshmark. I'm shopping almost exclusively vintage and slow fashion ethically made brands um and yeah it actually makes it more accessible because that's one of the biggest conversations that's happening in sustainability right now is that it is uh, it is be there's this constant battle between it becoming too elitist and people not being able to afford it and then greenwashing we don't want to do that either we don't want to make 
cheap things sound better for the sake of being sustainable. So trying to find that middle ground and that middle ground, as far as fashion goes, is the resale industry because I can get a pair of $200 Jesse Cam pants for $40. And yeah, they're from two years ago, but they're still perfectly fine and they're going to last me the rest of my life. So in the sustainable space, we actually embrace resale more than I think probably other fashion industries do. So, I mean, I know I we had talked to you earlier about this, but kind of like some of the conventions uh, that you go to or that you are a part of or even just things that, um, you know, when you go to buying, um, is there any other ideas that you get, um, you know, other stores or boutiques or any other people that you kind of get your ideas from uh, when you go to these conventions or these buying um, around, you know, wherever you go? So let me just start by saying I'm probably one of the only retail buyers anywhere that has never gone to market (laughs) Uh, because there isn't currently or yet there isn't yet a market that offers a large enough group of sustainable slow fashion ethically made brands to make it worth a company's time to send me to that market Um, we are seeing you know some sustainable brands coming to the big markets in Vegas and in LA and so that's really good they're getting a lot of attention for that Um, but yeah all of my brand research is me just like having fine-tuned my algorithm I find a lot of brands on social media on Instagram I have brands reaching out to me now which is cool to see that our job in marketing my job in marketing others is paying off because those brands are finding me instead of me having to do all the work um so then as far as uh, you know other conferences that we go to last year we went to the heart series in Los Angeles which is a um conference for social enterprise brands so it's all brands that are doing good and giving back so that was really cool to get inspired by that then um, in April there is the sustainable fashion forum in Portland Oregon we're hoping to go this year but I think we'll end up going next year instead and then um, in Minneapolis actually on the I think 18th of April there is uh, um a really cool organization we are threaded that's putting together um it's an event called shaping fashion and it's bringing together fashion visionaries and creatives in the sustainable movement from the midwest and having some really good conversations dialogues panels that kind of stuff in the midwest then the last thing that we do uh, and we're taking part here in fargo moorhead is the fashion revolution week that was uh, started in 2014. We've brought it to Fargo the last couple of years. And this year we'll be hosting a whole week or Fashion Revolution Week. We'll be hosting a whole week of events and others will be participating as well. And that's the 20th through the 26th of April. Nice. Oh. Wow. So like you mentioned, uh, Others is, you know, a brand in Fargo. And you've had a lot of brands approach you uh, just through that sustainability idea etc and with collaborations uh the last couple of years uh, being such a vital part of uh, fashion companies has others ever thought about expansion or collaboration ideas with other boutiques around fargo or even uh, around the u.s has that ever occurred to you like a collaboration idea that that a sustainable idea that might be it can kind of bring about a movement uh which can you know change the fashion industry 
No plans to franchise quite yet, I will say. Uh, it's definitely not out of the question. There, We've identified a couple of markets that we think it could do well in. Um, obviously, franchising a business, having worked for a franchise before, especially a small business franchise, is a whole nother beast. Um, so I think in the future, it's not out of the question, obviously. And then as far as working with other local brands and boutiques, like we have... Um, we have partnered with other brands and other boutiques in the area. We are always happy to share our brand knowledge because I'm all about, you know, the more brands, the better, the more stores, the better carrying these brands. So like, I'm not going to be like, Oh, I can't believe that they're carrying, you know, this brand that I wanted to carry. No, I'm going to be happy because they're carrying a sustainable brand. Like me as a sustainable consumer, I can't be jealous of, you know, I can't like hoard all of those brands to myself and to the store. So anytime that we are approached for a collaboration or anything like that, we are 100% open to it. Uh, we don't really have a lot of competition in this area because we are the only sustainable, ethical, exclusive boutique in Fargo um, in North Dakota, I believe, actually as a state. So we're all about collaboration. The more of us, the better. Everybody at some point in the very near future is going to have to start adopting these principles. So we're happy to be a thought leader in Fargo-Moorhead. I mean, even with your consumers, I mean, uh, you know, what do you feel like your typical consumer lifestyle is or looks like um, for that matter? I know um, Fargo being a college town, you know, or majority of a college town, you have those consumers um, who are college students. And also most of, I feel like, at least here, have those ideas um, of wanting to do something different and better, um, at least for, for our, our aspect of the, what we see. Um, but do you have, you know, do you feel like your consumers are based off that younger market, that older market? Now you mentioned, you know, um, buying products from others becomes a high effort decision because of the high effort decision you guys make to make, uh, make it a product at your store. Um, you know, so how do you kind of market to those younger, uh, people, I mean, as far as, Hey, this is something that you make sure you make, want to spend your money on, yep. um, you know, cause obviously being younger, you know, you don't have too much expandable <laughs> income, but, uh, so how do you kind of make sure that you let them know that this is something that's worth their while and that high effort decision? Yeah. Yeah. So that is mostly with the buying aspect of my job. Um, I'm always making sure that I'm bringing in, you know, a top, a mid and a bottom price tier option for, um, our consumers. And that's not in every single category, but specifically in our jewelry, in our accessories, um, and in our, uh, like cards and stationery. We have these really great notebooks that are really popular with like Gen Z. I want to call them kids, but I should say like <laughs> Gen Z consumers. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're, you know, we're not exclusive. We try really hard to offer a, a variety of different items at a variety of different price points, still keeping that same thread of like ethical and sustainable products throughout. Um, but yeah, I mean, so the price point definitely does swing um, to more of an elder millennial, young baby boomer, um, individuals with expendable income um, because we aren't necessarily like these items aren't necessarily a necessity for everybody yet. We're competing with Target um, and college students are going to spend their money at Target, which is totally fine. You can actually get fair trade jeans at Target now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's definitely a struggle. It's definitely something we are conscious of. It's always changing. It's always shifting. And 
it's my job to stay on top of it. Perfect. Uh, well, bringing us to the to that of our last question. Uh, thanks so much for you know doing this with uh, with us. This podcast actually means a lot, so that we can you know reach a lot of people out in the Fargo Mohead community, even the even in the United States. Uh, and thank you for coming down uh, here and spending this time with us. Uh, we hope to see you again. So on yeah. next time. Yeah, thank you so much. And we, like I said, we hope, um, like I said, Sid and I, we have our ideas about this ethical fashion. Um, Maggie Bray, who mm-hmm. works at your store, you know, she um, is obviously a really good friend of ours that has ideas. So, um, again, this being a part of a project we have to do, we also feel like it's something we wanted to do uh, tremendously just because we have that affinity um, and for those ideas. Um, so, again, yeah, thank you. And we hope that we can help spread the word. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. Thank you. Yeah.